What are the impacts of teaching interactions? This podcast is created to support all interaction teachers by clarifying inquiries, boosting morale, and connecting an academically informed community. In each episode, you'll find testimonials and brief interviews with teachers, writers, and other leaders in public school education. Are you ready to interact? Hello, interactors. In this episode, you will hear from a writer of the Interactions curriculum and high school science teacher, Kristen Mayer. You are ready to listen to part six. If you haven't listened to part five yet, please go back to the main page of the podcast and click on part five of episode one, and then come back to listen to part six. Ready to interact? If you're still listening, it means you are ready for part six. I hope you find it encouraging, clarifying, and supportive. Some teachers are, are just pressured, like in these environments to knock out standards and get AP readiness, like, like, like soldiers almost. Mm-hmm. And then some teachers have a little more freedom. And I don't want interactions to be just a curriculum for teachers who, who got lucky with like a, a, a nice admin or um, a small science department where they can just, you know, have autonomy and just be like, okay, interactions is how we go. Like, would, would teachers in these high pressure environments be able to incorporate three-dimensional instruction at the same time as this industrial model that you referred to? Like, like, is, is it possible? Yeah, I, um, I do want to take like a little sidestep to just mention something too, but I do, mm-hmm. Um, have some thoughts on this, like, in the, mm-hmm. so make sure I come back to this, like, industrial model, crank gotcha. out these scores. Okay. I just, I just want to point out that, like, I, a teacher mentioned to me a few years ago of, like, when you say we're supposed to be doing three-dimensional, it makes me feel like you're saying I've been teaching wrong my whole career, and that, like, mm-hmm. broke my heart. Like, I, I really think, like, we all went into education because we care about students and we want our students to be successful. And I have like full faith that teachers out there lecturing are like lecturing the best that they know how (laughs) and like trying to pull in real world examples and like get student engagement. And like, I, I really just want it to be clear. Like, I'm not saying like, Oh, teachers are lazy and they're just doing what they've seen. I think like teachers are really dedicated to being amazing to their students or for their students. And like, um, hopefully this like opens up opportunities to develop and grow. And I just mm-hmm. really want to be clear that I am not meaning that like what you did five years ago is junk. If it wasn't this, like mm-hmm. it was probably great for the standard of five years ago, mm-hmm. but now we're like have new exciting developments to happen. And so I just want that to be like really, mm-hmm crystal clear. Like, I know teachers are all dedicated and working hard for their students. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like the AP stuff and, and churning out um, the standards and getting through way too much material, mm-hmm. um, I found 
in my classroom in Seattle. So I had a ton of flexibility and freedom to teach how I wanted to when I was teaching in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And really kind of like, at one point, like kind of threw the whole chemistry curriculum out the window, started over from scratch. We spent a lot of time, like months on like particle nature of matter stuff, which wasn't even in our standards anywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, for the first half of the year, our school was like two months behind the other schools in the district. Mm -hmm. But then by the end of the year, mm -hmm. I had gone farther than I had ever gotten through my chemistry curriculum before. Normally, I was like rushing to try and fit in acid base. I almost always completely cut out any organic stuff. And like, like, I just remember like the year before I made this big switch in my chemistry curriculum, mm -hmm. my students were like, I thought they were on board with the acid base stuff. We were getting towards the end of the unit. We were doing some review stuff and just everything was confusing to them and they were totally lost. Mm -hmm. And it took us like twice as much time I had, I had mapped out for that unit. Mm -hmm. um, and they, I mean, it got to the point where like we had to have the tests because we had to get ready for the exam because the end of the year was coming. Mm -hmm. And they all did really poorly on that test. They all felt really frustrated by that test. And it was like mm -hmm. a horrible way <laughs> to end the year. Like that's not the note I wanted my kids leaving my chemistry class on is like, this is all confusing and it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then the next year when I totally changed my curriculum, I spent a month at the beginning of the year on particle nature of matter, which wasn't even high school standards. Mm -hmm. When we got to the acid base stuff, I covered that unit in like half the time I had before and my test scores were amazing. But mm -hmm. like the students had the conceptual foundation that they could build on. Mm -hmm. So like the idea of like going slow to go fast, mm -hmm. that like taking the time to have students really build the conceptual model in the beginning, mm -hmm. I think pays off in the end and you are able to get through, mm -hmm. like you're able to accelerate once they have that like kind of conceptual model in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and I know like, so now I have an AP physics teacher that I work really closely with and really respect. She's incredibly hardworking and very dedicated to like having students develop the model and stuff like that. And she's like, but honestly in her AP physics class, like she has to map out like when to give each unit test. Mm -hmm. And so in each unit, she'll do the like students developing the model and students developing the concept mm -hmm. as long as she can. And then at a certain point, she's like, the test has to be this day. Right. So I'm just gonna have to start lecturing now and hope that that was enough of a foundation right. so that they have the concept that they can attach the ideas to as I lecture. And so, um, and her, I mean, she commits a lot of work to always like analyzing her AP scores and making sure that her students are doing well. And, um, you know, she has really high pass rates and is, mm -hmm. is a very successful AP program with that mm -hmm. of like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do the slow, figuring it out, modeling stuff until like, 
Mm -hmm. We have to have the test now, so right. <laughs> let's get through the rest of this unit. Mm -hmm. We have the test, and then we'll slow down again and develop right. the model and develop the concepts. And then I'm going to like attach a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have the test, but it, I think, you know, I mean, it's the students do have to work really hard in our class, but I do also think like mm -hmm. the students, I think, leave her class and go on to college and have a um, a more solid foundation to build on mm -hmm. than if they had just memorized a bunch of terms and equations and passed a test. Mm. And then they have a bunch of definitions and equations, but they don't have the like full conceptual model to like mm -hmm. be able to reason with it and use it to make predictions and figure things out and apply mm. to new scenarios. That's what teachers are, are doing to transition. They're, they're trying to still hold on to one goal and also bring in a new way of, of an, another goal almost it's like let's do curiosity and like achievement let's let's do both and um that's i think that's like a great start right for for this shift because we we need more scientists right we need more people to care about why things work or don't work and how can we fix it and uh like there's this quote I started with my students in a syllabus. It's by G.K. Chesterton. I've never read his stuff before, but I, I heard this quote in a, in a sermon and it was, um, the world will never starve for, <clears throat> the world will never starve for wonders, but only for want of wonder. And, and that's kind of like what, what I'm trying to posture the students in my class to to do where's your want of wonder mm -hmm. you know i could show you a ton of fancy experiments and explosions but you know could we could we really nurture and and cause that that curiosity to be the 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 driving force or the the, the actual tone of this class um and I, and I did that for my honors cam cam and interactions and um like it's, it's kind of a, it's a struggle. It's like a balancing act. You kind of like, you know, I gotta, I gotta meet these state requirements and try to make it so that the students are, are curious. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I actually, I, I applaud the, what you've done with your, you know, with your colleagues, because it's, it's a big risk to some teachers to, to try something new where they feel like if they fail, they're going to get in big trouble. Like, yeah career vulnerability. Thank you for listening to the Interactions Podcast. In part seven of this episode, Kristen will answer questions such as, how does Kristen know the impacts of her teaching? And what kind of advice would she give teachers who need community?